Thanks for joining us. My name is Brian Elaine. I'm here today with Caroline Beidler. Caroline is a grateful woman <clears throat> in recovery, author and founder of Bright Story Shine, a storytelling platform that celebrates stories of recovery and resilience. She's also the director of Creative Consultation Services, LLC, a business focused on creating sustainable addiction recovery support services at the local, state, and federal level. She's the past director of Wisconsin Voices for Recovery, along with a past founder and director of ED2 Recovery, a nationally recognized program that brings recovery coaching into the emergency department setting. Through her consulting work, speaking engagements, and writing, Caroline has worked with legislators, nonprofits, universities, federal agencies, and others to create innovative models that empower communities and people in recovery. Caroline was the former chair of the Prevention Committee for the Wisconsin State Council on Alcohol and Other Drug Abuse by Governor's Appointment and has participated in many state and national coalitions and committees. She founded two programs for college-age youth in recovery. One is Live Free Student Wellness and Recovery, which is now known as Badger Recovery, and Connect House Sober Living Foundation. In 2015, she won the Texas Research Society on Alcohol alcoholism, John T. and Patricia A. O'Neill Addiction Science Education Award for her research on stigma and social support for recently deployed veterans. Her writing is featured on The Grit and Grace Project, The Rooms, The Fix, The Addiction Technology Transfer Center, and many other websites. Her new book that we're going to talk about today is Downstairs Church, Finding Home in the Grit and Addiction and Trauma Recovery, which releases today. Caroline and her family live in Tennessee, where she enjoys riding, hiking in the mountains, and chasing around her three-year-old twins. That's got to be fun. <laughs> you can learn more at carolinebeidler.com. That's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E-B-E-I-D-L-E-R. So, Caroline, it's so great to have you back with us, and congratulations on all these amazing things that you've done. Oh, well, thank you so much. I so appreciate that, and I always have this experience when I'm hearing my bio read that it's, you know, it's kind of like, wow, she sounds so busy and it's a little bit tiring. I need a cup of coffee just listening to that. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think we can both relate to just, you know, when we have energy and passion around an area that we love and that we call, feel called to work in, we just have this ability to step up and build, you know, and to create. And I just love being able to be a co-creator, you know, with God, um, on this planet and, you know, for this brief time that, that I'm here. Um, I do want to add, there's a slight change. So with the, the bio, my twins are now four years old. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yes. So they're moving even more quickly. Uh, yes. than the last time we talked. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, I mean, you are so entrepreneurial. You've launched so many different things and I love, you know, watching that, you know, and seeing all that you've accomplished and uh, just, just wonderful to uh, observe. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. So out of all those things, or besides all those things I talked about, what else would you like people to know about you? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. You know, I feel like sometimes, especially, you know, on the author journey and, you know, when a book's coming out, we kind of focus on what we've done, but um, in the work that we're doing, you know, I like to share with people that, you know, I'm generally a really grateful person. And, um, I have things in my life today, you know, blessings like my beautiful twins and my husband, who I want to add as a scientist. So we're kind of like 
two sides of, um, and I'm like the creative, I don't know, it's a very interesting, uh, sometimes maddening partnership, but it works <laughs> for us. Um, but, um, you know, I just, I have so many things that I'm so grateful for today. And so I think, you know, and also being a woman in addiction recovery, mental health and trauma recovery, I think those things really have, you know, that's who I am. And I've centered my life around those things. I think, and so many, I feel like people who are probably watching or listening to this have that thing or those things that they've been through that have been hard and that have been challenging and that have maybe broken, you know, broken you. And for me being able to say, okay, this is what happened to me, but now I can live in a place of gratitude I just like to share that, that, you know, that's, that's really, I feel like it, I've done all these things, but mainly I'm a person today, just like everyone else living and having lived through some hard things. But now I can say, you know, I've been redeemed from those things and I can be grateful and look at my twins and my husband and, and be like, wow, you know, God is good. God is very, very good. I mean, it's just so wonderful to watch, you know, you make lemonade out of lemons and, to, you know, kind of turn <clears throat> your life into what it is today because you've not only accomplished so much, but you've helped so many people. Um, you know, having gone through what you went through, I think, you know, gives you the degree of empathy and understanding for lots of other people that they need. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that, that God has really, you know, brought me through a lot of that and comforted me. So I can, you know, as scripture says, be there for those folks who need comfort in the same way that I've been comforted, you know, and I think the other thing, and I've been reflecting on this a lot with my book, you know, being launched today and, you know, it's the celebratory thing and wow, you know, I hope so many people get the book and are impacted and moved by it. And all of those things are true. And at the same time, it's really just about that one person, you know, it's about that one person that I can connect with and speak to and hopefully that one person who feels moved by my book and moved by the words that I share. I think as an author, for me, it's really important to stay grounded in that because there's a lot in the world that wants me to get distracted by like, you know, the hype and the platform and, you know, creating reels and doing all this like crazy stuff that I don't feel comfortable doing. But really it's ultimately about speaking to that one person, you know, just like we're, we're called to just be there for that one person, whether that's listening or sharing our story to hopefully impact someone else's. Well, good for you. I mean, I think it's a wonderful attitude to take uh, for, for this work. So before we get into the new book, can you tell us a little bit about the previous things that you've written? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, most of my writing has been with, you mentioned a couple of the different websites and, and things. I get connected with a amazing group of women from the Grit and Grace Project. So you can check them out online, Grit and Grace Project. It was started by Darlene Brock, who's a former producer in the Christian music industry. Uh, Darlene and her husband launched this really initiative to share women's stories, to talk about the real and kind of, you know, gritty experiences that we have, whether that's in motherhood or with relationships, whatever, whatever that thing is. And so you know, a couple of years ago, I've, I've always been a writer, but a couple of years ago, I just had this, you know, when you feel that like nudge that you can't not listen to, it's like, it just kept nagging at me. And, you know, it just was like relentless. And 
So anyways, I, I just happened upon the website and I had written this article and I was like, you know, maybe I should just send it along and, and see what happens. I don't know, you know, and I had I had done a lot of writing just personally. And um, so anyways, they reached back out to me. They actually, their editor called me and said, you know, would you be a team writer? And I'm like, I just submitted one like silly article I had written on my phone, you know, with my thumb. Um <laughs> when I was holding a baby, you know, and, um, and from there, what happened was amazing. And just like in my recovery journey, what I discovered was that writing and being an author isn't something that can happen in isolation, that it's really a community effort. And so what happened a couple of years ago, when I connected with the grit and grace project was all of a sudden, I had all of these other women and sisters who were not only writers, but writers who wanted to grow in their craft and grow together and also help other women. And it was like the perfect place for me to land. Um, so a lot of my work, a lot of my articles are found there. And actually a couple of um, the articles can be found in my new book, Downstairs Church. So, and I've done articles and op-eds and different things like that, but this is primarily my, you know, uh, my first launch into the world uh, with with a book, but, but I also do have an online ebook called Guide to Shine: Ten Practical Ways to Make Your Recovery Shine. And I really try to offer women in recovery and other folks specific practical tools, not kind of like this pie in the sky, you know, ways to recover and this and that, but practical ways. How in the in the real world in the day to day can we? thrive and kind of refresh our recovery journeys. And so that's available to anyone on my website, carolinebeidler.com, because I just, I like giving things away and I like connecting with people. Um, and so I, I love to offer that as, you know, as a free gift for folks who want to connect. Excellent. Excellent. So um, the new book, let's talk about that. Downstairs Church, Finding Hope in the Grit of Addiction and Trauma Recovery. So what, you know, amongst all the different things that you're doing, what motivated you to do a book? Yeah, so, you know, Downstairs Church, interestingly, I, I told a friend of mine uh, recently, there's one sentence in this book that is from the original book I started when I was 19 years old, so mm -hmm. over two decades ago. And um, at 19, you know, I started my addiction recovery journey in high school, and so I felt really called Again, I had been writing, you know, even as, you know, in elementary school, in my little journals and things, I felt really called to share my story. And so I, you know, brought this to my creative writing professor at the time, you know, as in undergrad. And, you know, he read it and nodded and said, you know, you have a gift and I think you're on to something. Why don't you put your pen down for about 20 years? go live some life and come back oh my and you know at the time i didn't know how oddly prophetic that would be because it was almost literally 20 years later but i lived life i found recovery i went back to graduate school i did all of these different projects and started nonprofits and did all of these things and it was during COVID i felt god speak very clearly to me now is the time wow and so i pulled that dusty manuscript i still had it you know like this is long but we had, these were floppy disk days you know <laughs> i pulled this this manuscript out and looked at it and basically just you know threw the whole thing away except for this one sentence and started again and from there 
just doors flew open for me. And so I really knew that this was now was the time. And so I've, I've really put everything that I have into, into this book and into getting this message out because I believe in it so very much. Mm, Well, good for you. Um, Who would you say the book is most attended for? Love that question. And I've had a lot of folks help me tease that out because I've learned that that's one of the most important things is identifying who you're writing for. And I think early on, you know, and as a 19 year old and even more recently, I hate to admit, I was writing this for myself. You know, I was writing it as it was a very therapeutic. It was a very cathartic. I was writing it for myself, but when I can really, when I could flip that and identify, okay, my ultimate goal is to help people. And how can I do that? Who can I write this book for and to, and really God put on my heart to write this book for the woman who is seeking, who Mm -hmm. is seeking transformation, who is seeking healing. And so ultimately, you know, my main audience is for that woman. So it might be someone struggling with addiction recovery mental health recovery, trauma recovery. And with, you know, I'm sure you've seen in the news, I mean, the statistics on addiction right now, especially the last couple of years have skyrocketed. I mean, overdose rates are tragically, you know, and horrifically through the roof. We have women, especially instances of alcohol use has increased. I mean, there's just, and there's so much in our world and I get it, you know, that it's legitimate. We want to escape from, right? Um, And so I think the world is just hurting around these issues right now so much. Um, So that woman, I am speaking to her. And I'm also hopefully, I'm really hoping as kind of a secondary uh, group of folks that this book will be an act as an advocacy tool in that it will be bring community awareness to people, especially people in the pews, in churches, in faith communities, bring awareness to the issues around addiction, especially for women and some of those intersecting things like trauma and mental health challenges that I talk about in the book. Hmm. Wow. Very cool. I'm glad you thought it through that well. You know what I mean? It kind of evolved your own perspective of that question. Well, I'd like to say that was all for me, but it wasn't. Um, I had so much support, like I said, along the way, you know, I reached out to, and I recommend this to anyone who's out there starting their own, you know, author and writing journey. But those folks who have websites, Heather Kopp uh, wrote Sober Mercies. Um, Her email, thank God, was on her website. And I sent her an email and I told her who I was. And I said, hey, you know, I'd love to connect. She responded, you know, Philip Yancey, I reached out to, and I reached out to everyone I could think of and just was like, here, here's what I want to do. Here's where my heart is. And I received some of the best feedback uh, because I just kind of took a leap of faith, you know, um, and reached out. So, but yeah, I, I had some incredible guidance and my agent, Tom Dean from A Drop of Ink, he's been phenomenal too in helping me craft, you know, the message to an audience. Mm, mm, wonderful. So um, let's talk about the publishing process since you mentioned Tom. Uh, how did you find an agent? Uh, how did you and the agent find a publishing house? How did all that play out for you? Well, it was interesting how that happens. And, you know, back again, when I was 19, I went through that whole process of trying to find an agent. And I actually found one, big fancy New York agent. And then as soon as I was about ready to sign the contract, they sent me a letter saying they went bankrupt. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) So 
all these doors closed, you know, and I, I can relate so much to the folks who are out there getting rejection after rejection after rejection, because I went through that for years. And even with this book, um, finding Tom and connecting with Tom was through, you know, a friend's, you know, who knew someone who knew someone. And it was that relationship and those connections in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't explain it other than a God thing, mm-hmm. but you know, he's been incredible. And, you know, I went through a lot of the rejection phase through trying to find a publisher because I had a lot of the bigger Christian uh, publishing houses saying, love it. You're writing. If we could make this decision based on writing alone, you know, we would, we would sign you, you know, all of this. But I kept getting no's and it was all centered around the platform component. Wow. Wow. Which which I, you know, I get. I mean, I completely get that. And so I, and now I see that as a blessing because what that afforded me the opportunity to do was go back, this is three years ago now, and say, okay, what do I need to build and how do I need to position myself so that, you know, I maybe I will never hit the social media numbers that they're looking for or have a hundred thousand followers. But if I can build a relationship with just that one reader, a real authentic relationship and provide, you know, quality content and just that connection piece and maybe a platform develop will develop who knows, but if I can go back and do that, you know, then, then getting those notes, it was worth it because it helped me take a look at what I needed to do. And so I ended up deciding though, to go a little bit non-traditional and the hybrid publishing route for this book, um, you know, partially because of that, but I wanted to try something new. I wanted to try something new. And I felt that working with someone who saw possibility when maybe the numbers weren't there yet, but who really believed in my message and that possibility and had that connection with forward thinking, like maybe the numbers aren't there right now, but there's something here. Um, And so I wanted, I like to connect with those people. (laughs) So anyways, I went with Morgan James publishing and I highly recommend they've been great working with you know I had um, worked with a great editor and and all of those pieces and so I wouldn't change anything now again because I've learned so much in the process and obviously in the future I'm hoping to um, work with you know a traditional publishing house but that's what I've you know that's the route I've taken thanks for sharing that with us I mean I'm always so fascinated about how many different avenues are out there that Mm -hmm. you know Everyone I talk to has got a different story, a different journey, a different saga of what they went through you know, <laughs> <Right>. before making <laughs> it happen. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, so So many authors that I work with are challenged with determining um, what sensitive things to divulge and how to do that, you know, particularly when it mm-hmm. involves other people's experiences. How have you mm-hmm. dealt with that? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, especially because what I talk about in the book, addiction and trauma and all of these challenges, those topics are just so sensitive and in nature. And we have to be careful and, you know, not even not just with other people's stories, but with our own story. I've had that experience where I write so much about a personal experience and then put it out there. And it almost feels like, um, 
triggering because all of a sudden I put this out there, but I can't really control now what happens with that. I can't really say, you know, how someone's going to take that or, or use that information or so it's a really, it can be a really challenging experience. And I think again, utilizing the counsel, you know, and advice of other folks who have been in, in the field uh, longer has been really helpful. Um, I worked with my editor at the Grit and Grace Project, Ashley, and she walked me through how to talk about an experience of sexual violence in a way that would help the reader um, and also not harm the reader if they had been in an experience similar to that. And so it is very challenging. I have folks that I've asked permission to uh, share little pieces of their story. For example, I start the book talking about, I don't want to give too much away, but I start the book talking about an experience I had in a recovery meeting and I was in my early 20s and uh, a woman named Tanya was in uh, the recovery meeting. And so, you know, just imagine this open circle of chairs, you know, we're all sitting in this space and Tanya told her story about what was going to be happening to her and she was going to be facing uh, prison time and just finds out she was pregnant Mm. and was going to be having the baby while in prison. And I remember hearing her talk about that and it came to me that I need to have this in the book obviously I need to talk to her about it and so we reached out and we ended up having an an amazing conversation she agreed she was like yes please you know I would be happy to be in this in the story I interviewed her and so I was able to take quotes from more recent time and so she was a part of that process and so I think when we talk about you know different including different people's stories and experiences, making sure that they are a part of the process. Um, it also, there is a measure of needing to let go of, so say I, you know, and I don't include a lot about my family history, for example, but, you know, when authors do that, recognizing that sometimes we need to share those parts of our stories to speak to, you know, that person needing to hear it, or even just for our own hearts. And there's going to be, I don't want to say consequences, because that sounds too harsh, but there's weight in that. Mm -hmm. And we have to be okay with and able to carry, you know, carry that weight and that responsibility. And, you know, for some of us, we're ready to do that. And for some of us, it's, you know, it's either not quite time or, or not appropriate to. it's a tough thing, you know, tough to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to read uh, one of the things that Frederick Beekner wrote about Alcoholics Anonymous. He said, you can't help thinking that something like this is what the church is meant to be and maybe once was before it got to be big business. I just love that mm-hmm. by him. Do you kind of feel that way too? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, you will read currents of that sentiment throughout this book. And I think, you know, for faith communities, when I mentioned wanting it to be this book to be an advocacy tool or a call to action, I think there's something beautiful that happens in the recovery community in those downstairs spaces of recovery that all communities, including churches can learn from that radical honesty and vulnerability and you know, I, I come back to the verse in James that talks about, you know, when we confess our sins to one another, we can be healed, right? And so when we bring light onto something, we can be healed. And I feel like for me, that is recovery. It is coming up into the light with all of our mess and all of our, you know, character defects, all of our truth. It's not 
sitting in a pew and singing a song and listening to something. It's just showing up and being totally real and totally vulnerable. And I think the church can learn so much from that. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Philip Yancey and he's probably my favorite author of all time. Um, and I just, I love his book so much, but you know, in what's so amazing about grace, he talks about that concept of the recovery meeting and that the AA meeting specifically and how, you know, when he went downstairs into those spaces, it was like he connected more with God and with spirituality than when going upstairs. And there was just such this difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually the book title downstairs church, I took from an interview I did with him and I have the little quote on the back and I, um, he okayed it being on there. And I was just fangirl, like jumping up and down thanking (laughs) him and his assistant. But he said from the downstairs church, I learned radical honesty and radical dependence. We can't make it on our own. And to me, I mean, that is the spiritual journey right there. That that realization and that acceptance and proclamation that we can't do it on our own. We need God and showing up real. And um, I love that about recovery. And, you know, I talk about it in the book. You know, I found God and uh, my path to following Jesus, not in a church. It was in a church basement, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I want to share in the book is about about that journey, too. Wow. So in the book's description, it says that it provides a practical list of ways that faith communities can become more trauma-informed spaces for those who may be seeking love and acceptance inside church buildings. So what are some of the practical ways that you talk about? Yeah, so oh, I have my book here. So this is in uh, chapter, Are We There Yet? You know, I'm, I'm a fan of practical tools. I talked about my ebook Guide to yeah. Shine, that you can find on my website. I love the list and I kind of make a joke in the book for all my, my blogger friends and everyone who loves, we all love our lists. You know, we love our scrolling and our quick, you know, quick consumption of information. So for those who love lists as much as I do, um, I have a couple things. One of them, uh, for example, being creating opportunities for safety. And so I know we all hear this term or, or maybe you're familiar with the term safe space, you know, and I think for folks like me, no space is safe if someone just say it, says it's safe. It's not that, you know, you can put a sticker on your uh, church window or declare something safe. It needs to be, safety needs to be fostered and trust needs to be built. And so I think, especially for faith communities, wanting to connect with people in addiction recovery and people like me who've struggled over the years to connect with a faith community thinking through ways to foster a sense of safety. And that could be something as simple as, or not simple, but, you know, having issue-specific ministries that are, you know, specifically for women, for example, or making sure that when you have greeters at the door on Sunday, you have an option for people who might not feel safe being greeted by, by a gentleman or, Maybe a place where folks can sit where you have more space. I remember for me, it used to be terrifying. I would have literal panic attacks in church in my 20s because I would have to sit next to someone I didn't know. Mm. And, you know, we don't think about that. We don't think about that might be the reason why that person walking, you know, walking past the church on a Sunday morning isn't coming inside because they don't feel like they can sit down uh, and be safe. And so hopefully things like creating opportunities for safety, um, 
I, I would love to go through a couple other ones, but you know, you could get the book too and, and sure, check it out. Sure. <laughs> um, but you know, I like to provide practical things that not just churches, but really all communities can think about and focus on when, you know, thinking about how they can show up and support people struggling with, with addiction issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd like to read one of the other endorsements for the book. This one's from our friend, Kathy Izzard. Caroline Beidler has written an inspirational book that is everything recovery meetings are raw, beautiful, and real. She creates a relationship with her readers that is everything she wishes all life could be, honest, loving, and connected. Downstairs Church is a must-read must read for anyone in recovery and those who love them, as well as people of faith seeking to create true caring communities. So you already talked about this a little bit, but can you speak about creating a relationship with your reader? Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I've been told that my writing style feels very much like you're just sitting down with someone and having coffee. And so I try to stay true to that voice. You know, the other piece of creating a relationship, and I think, you know, like I mentioned, I've learned this over the past couple of years of really developing, I don't even like to use the word platform because it is relationships, but learning more about who those folks are out there who I'm speaking to. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite, favorite things to get is to open my email and see messages from folks, you know, on my email list saying, I love to throw out questions like, hey, what are you doing in your community? You know, what resource are you building? What do you care about? And I love people responding and telling me like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, you know, I just opened a women's recovery home, which I love that. Or, you know, I'm looking at, you know, creating a nonprofit to support parents or, you know, I'm, you know, here's a podcast I love, you know, just really a back and forth conversation. Cause I feel like, you know, we might have this tendency to feel like we have to just keep providing all, you know, it's all about us giving all this content. And we, you know, if you're like me, scroll social media, it's like, oh no, here's another blonde woman talking about Jesus, you know, like, do we really need that, you know, again? Um, but it's about like, a back and forth and a reciprocal relationship. So I think focusing on those pieces of how how do you really connect and use things like email and social media events, different things to really connect and learn more about what people care about, you know, and what, you know, what what they need and what they want to hear about. And um, one of the events that I started, we had just had our second annual um, event on International Women's Day. So I created a global women's recovery event called Amplifying Women's Voices in Recovery Advocacy. And so this year I partnered with the She Recovers Foundation. It was on March 8th. So hopefully an annual event. But we brought together about 20 women across the globe, you know, several different languages, everyone sharing about their own story of recovery. And it was incredible. It was beautiful. It wasn't just me coming up there and being like, oh, this is my story. And, you know, isn't it great? And blah, blah, blah. And that's not what it's about. It's about connecting and sharing and learning from all of our stories. And, you know, one of the most important, I think, and impactful books I read early on when I started this journey, um, and it it sounds kind of like markety, but Anyways, Donald Miller's story brand. Yeah. I learned so much from from that book, you know, and it's not like the whole branding thing, but the relationship thing and how important the reader is. You know, again, it's not my story. This is about 
speaking to the reader's story, you know, and how I can impact someone else and bringing it back to the faith journey or, you know, dismantling and, you know, our divides. It's like, how can we connect and unify and bring together around a common interest or a common thing we want to help support someone with like addiction? Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think people have a lot that they can learn from your example on this. So uh, I, I encourage people to read the book and then, you know, see what um, Caroline's done on this. So um, can you talk about your consulting services that you provide and who are those for? Yeah. So um, maybe next time I should get you an updated bio. So I'm doing some consulting, but so my latest project Um, I'm actually the outreach and membership coordinator for an association called the Association for Recovery and Higher Education. Um, And so I've been hired on to help them build up their association. And so they work with primarily universities, institutions of higher education, trade schools and community colleges in the U.S., Canada and the United Kingdom to build up recovery support for college students. And so I absolutely love it. Um, it is just so being able to be a part of building something that helps college students and young people in recovery, because, you know, that's when I found um, and started my own healing journey. And so to be able to be a part of that has been incredible. Um, and it, you know, again, it feels like a something that I can help build and create. And I love that um, while also doing something that is about recovery, which is beautiful you know, in the past, you know, I've done grant writing for different organizations and building up nonprofits. And I love strategizing with folks about, you know, whether something's broken or doesn't exist yet, but how to build that up to provide the most benefit for folks who, you know, are going to be accessing whatever organization or support service um, this is. So another one of my favorite projects I did was for a group in Wisconsin called Wiz Hope, and it was building up a recovery-friendly workplace initiative. So it was a little outside my comfort zone, but I learned so much about employee benefits and just all of this stuff I never thought I would, you know, give a hoot about. Um, But it was really neat to be able to bring some of my skills to help build this program. And, you know, it's thriving today in Wisconsin, so it's it's really neat to see. But um, yeah, if you don't know, um, Association of Recovery and Higher Education, it's a great organization. Cool. So any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? Final thoughts. Well, you know, I'd like to say to that person who might be struggling today with addiction, that person whose family member, loved one, neighbor, church member is struggling, you know, there is help. There is help. And what's beautiful about being a storyteller, you know, and being an author is that there's hope in the stories that we have. And, you know, I'm just one of a drop in a bucket, uh, you know, a grain of sand uh, on on the seashore of folks who have lived through addiction and made it out to the other side. And, you know, I just want to encourage the folks listening who might be connecting uh, with that struggle, whether it's yours personally or someone you love, but, you know, there is hope and there's a way out. And so whether it's my story that will get you uh, there or give you a glimpse of that hope, or if it's someone else's, I encourage you to find and seek out that place where you can hear those stories of recovery and redemption. Because that's what I did. And I found I found um, transformation and freedom on the other side of that. So 
So, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. So um, I know this is like the launch day for your new book, but I have to ask you if you've got any future books in mind out there that you could talk about. Ooh, oh, do I? I have so many ideas. <laughs> Good. I'm like you. I'm like you. We just had our long road trip to back home. Um, and so I had a lot of time in the car. But no, I, I have another book. Um, I, it is it is very near to having the proposal sent out. So Excellent. I'm kind of waiting waiting to see how things go with this launch. I'm really hoping it goes well. I would like to explore. There's a couple editors um, at some traditional houses that I would love to work with. And so we'll see how it goes. I'm not going to say too much about it yet, though. No, that's but, fine. Um, that's fine. I understand. I'm very, I'm very excited. And then, of course, I have, I have a whole list. So we'll see, we'll see what this, <laughs> uh, this next chapter in my life brings. Um, but I, I certainly hope that I have the opportunity to keep connecting with Good. my readers. That's excellent. I really hope that goes well. I really feel that it will. So, um, so Caroline, thanks again, you know, for joining us. And again, the title of her new book is Downstairs Church, Finding Hope in the Grit of Addiction and Trauma Recovery. And you can learn more at Caroline's website, carolinebeidler.com. Caroline, thanks so much and congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you again today. Same here.